Who's that? Uh -huh. This is Kenny Ray. And Kenny Ray has been talking to God, and God had been talking to her, and decided that she would go to train with YWAM, and the training was in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. right? yep. So she's going to show us some pictures and tell us some stuff about all this. And We're going to try it. Is this one on, Jim? Hello? Okay. Okay. Can y'all hear me? Okay, good. So, yeah. So, all of y'all know at the beginning of the summer, or some of y'all knew, that me and the boys, um, two of my sons, Kale, which comes here to Vineyard sometimes. I mean, I remember he started going, coming here probably the end of last year on his own. Pretty regular, yep, turnip, as Karen affectionately calls him. Um, yeah. So Kale and um, my son Pax, who's with me today, they both went with me over to Honolulu um, at the beginning of the summer. I went over there to train with YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission. Um, they're a worldwide mission-sending organization. Um, they're a parachurch organization, and probably the largest one in the world is just mission-sending. Um, we did a DTS with them about... 14 years ago, yeah, or 13 years ago, when PAX was a baby, and that was their preliminary school, and um, the, we did that in Ensenada, Mexico, and uh, missions, especially foreign missions, has been on my heart since I was like nine years old. I feel like I had my call to missions since I was nine, and you know, you just go with life and you kind of keep going. You're not sure how you got where you are, but you just keep doing your best at it. And um, like I said, we went out 13 years ago um, with YWAM, but it just didn't work out. We were not able to stay on the field. We were a large family and the support just wasn't there. And I think it was probably also a timing thing as well, which is hard when you want something so badly and then you have to wait. And so Time moves on, life moves on, and so a um, lot, of, lot of roadblocks later. Um, you know, we've kind of been in and out of several communities, had a lot of really great experiences, and along the way, I discovered that I had a heart for ESL ministry, which is teaching English, like English as a second language. And I just realized what an act of hospitality it is to welcome the stranger. You know, Jesus told us, like we see it through the Old Testament, welcome the stranger. You know, that was part of Israel's culture was to welcome the stranger and let them live among you. And them living among you, they were able to see a living God in Israel. And we have such a privilege here in the U.S. as we welcome immigrants and refugees. These are people who may never hear the gospel in the parts of the world where they live. But then when they're allowed to immigrate here to the United States— and they learn English, it introduces them to the gospel for the first time. That's, that's opportunity is there. And it also offers people hospitality. You're giving them a tool that they need to connect with their neighbors. And I just saw, like, just God's heart really can be poured out through this very practical application of teaching English as a second language. And so I decided to go and get certified to do that didn't really know where to plug in for that, what that would look like. But I just decided that over the summer just to be obedient 
and to take that step and not to question and have the whole thing mapped out. It just, I knew I'd been saving for it for a couple of years. I'd had my eye on it for a while. And it just felt like God was saying, it's time. You need to go for it. So I ended up quitting my job and took my two kids and went off for the summer to Honolulu. And I knew it was going to be a good time. It's Hawaii. Come on. Um, it was a lot of hard work. I schooled six days a week. Um, shoot, I was so humbled. Um, like, my school brain um, hasn't been used in a long time. So it was really humbling, but it was also really good. And I was just blown away all summer at the way that God met me. I mean, I felt like the word is just like downpour. I felt like I was just standing under a waterfall. There's a lot of waterfalls in Hawaii. And I was just like standing in a downpour all summer long. I cried all summer. Everything. I cried. Because I just felt like God's favorite. And I don't walk around th feeling that all the time. I always know in my head God loves me. And it's probably a big deal. But it's never, like, I know that there's a disconnect between knowing love is a big deal and that God loves me and that that should change something, but then it actually, like, really overwhelming me and permeating me. And this summer was just a summer where I was just bombarded with God's favor, and I'm not going to cry because I can't talk and cry at the same time. Um. But it was like God met me truly the way that you meet a mother. Anybody who is a mother knows the fastest way to your heart is to love your kids. And God did that this summer when I took my boys. They were received with such favor at that base. I mean, it was just like they belonged there. Like they had always been there. Like we'd been there two weeks and it was just like Pax was everyone's little brother he somehow got in with everyone. Kale did too. It's like, you're not on staff. Why are you in here? Like in the kitchen. And next thing you know, they're helping with like the food distribution ministry where they would go to the food bank and get foods, you know, with this like 27 year old guy who runs the food distribution ministry there because their effort, not only do they send out to the nations, this base is very much a sending base where people, primarily in Southeast Asia, it's going to be like Philippines, Japan, Cambodia, Thailand, India. They go to um, Tibet. They were in Tibet and Nepal. Um, but they send out to those areas, but they also want to focus on the locals. And there is a lot of houseless people. A lot of them, it's temporary, like six months or so. But a lot is chronic, like 20 years. And so they also want to plug into the community. And so they would go to the food bank, pick up food, because transportation is a huge deal. I was so grateful. Like when I came back, I was like, thank you, God, for my 21-year-old vehicle that takes me from point A to point B. I didn't have to walk. Like I walked so many miles every day to get to just basic things. And I just... Yeah, I was reminded how these things that we take for granted every day, when you don't have those things, huge. And so, like, they would go and get this food, pack it up, and then take it down to the parks and pass it out to, like, families that were struggling and needing some extra to get by. Um, they went out and had pizza night on Tuesday. Every Tuesday, it was called pizza party night. And, like, the same people would be there every night. And you could tell that they were, like, established relationships and friendships. And this guy, Derry, very much an evangelist, he would just always share like a short devotion, two minutes, 
And then like, can we pray with anybody? If anybody needs prayer, wants to talk, we're here. And I mean, just spent a couple of hours down on Waikiki Beach at sunset, just eating pizza like a normal person and just taking time to give people that are in a really bad place. Because uh, they have families and they have stuff going on too and they need somebody that actually cares. And so Pax and Kale got to be involved in that. And it was, I mean, like three times a week they went out doing these things. They also got involved with a local church um, that just has a vibrant youth and children's ministry. And I mean, kids that are like really serious about ministering to each other in prayer and like believing that the Holy Spirit is real and the power of God is real. And it just, I didn't even know that I needed to be encouraged that way when I looked out and saw like a quarter of the church is under 25 years old and they're taking their walk with Jesus seriously. They're not there because they have to be. They're not there because for any other reason than they believe it's real. And I was just, it was just so encouraging to see these young people wanting to step in to all that God has for them. And it was so encouraging for my kids to be able to be in this environment that was just saturated. Plus, they're living on a mission base, and most of the kids there are in their 20s. Like, most of the staff is under 30 years old. And so they were able to be like a part of community night on a Thursday night. Monday night, was we spent two hours doing intercession and prayer every Monday. That's how we kick the week off. I mean, you just, it was like I had just this greenhouse dropped in over these little seedlings of faith that were starting. And for y'all that know Kale, he kind of started his journey at the beginning of the year. And he went off to Brazil with his sister, just kind of looking for some purpose. And I just saw him take off while we were there. And within a month of us being there, he comes to me. He's 17 years old, but he's graduated. And he says, Mom... I think I want to stay here. And I was like, okay. And he said, I want, to st- <laughs> I want to stay. He said, I want to stay and I want to do a DTS. I want to do a discipleship training school in the fall. It's a six-month program, four months of lectures from speakers all over the world, and then two months of outreach to a foreign nation. And I said, well, I'm not paying for it. And he was like, <laughs> he said, I have the money, I'll pay for it. You know that's like a big deal when your 17-year-old is taking his savings and paying to stay and do a discipleship training school. So they made an exception at the base for him to stay because he's not, he's too young. Oh, there he is. So this is Kale. He continues his journey on. This is actually a picture of Kale. He got baptized the last Sunday we were there at the church retreat. That's us. That youth pastor over there to the left sewed into my kids in a way that really ministered to them and I think changed their lives. And it just reminded me again, sometimes one person really does make the difference. Like you doing what you're called to do matters because that young man, Connor, is doing what he's called to do and it made a difference in my children. And I mean, they got to go to a, another island and go to camp for a week with this guy's youth group. Don't even know who paid for that. Like I said, it's just like all of these blessings just bombarded us this summer. And it resulted in Kale's baptism and him staying to do this discipleship school. 
And then he calls me last week and he was like, Mom, I really want you to pray. I want to go on staff. I want to go into missions. So he's looking at making a two-year commitment to this base. And so I'm just like, thank you, God. So, like, that for me is the highlight. We went for me to go to school. And then I was like, I don't even care if I graduate at this point, you know. Um, but I did graduate. And so I have my TESOL certification now. And, yes, um, they actually asked me to come back on staff. Oh, yep, see, there I am. I'm certified. I can, I can teach you English now. Let me know if you need some tutoring. Um, yeah, actually, I taught, while I was getting the certification, we taught, taught in Chinatown every, fri every Friday. I felt like I was in a foreign language, like foreign place. Um, there was no English anywhere. It's all, everything was like in Chinese. And I was just like, I feel like I need a passport to be here. Oh, was he, him showing him off? He's like, <laughs> look, he knows. He saw me cry many times while I was getting that thing. Um, but yeah, just being there, um, teaching, I, I just was, it was a lot of senior citizens from China that we taught. And um, I just could not believe these people were like taking buses to sit in that class all day long, struggling to learn English and getting an American citizenship. It was so important to them at like 70 plus years old. They're showing up every Friday. And, you know, me and the students that were training were so humbled because we're like, we're a bunch of kids trying to teach these people English. But I would, they learn English at a gospel center. And one of the women that I tutored a couple times, like private, like one-on-one, -on -one, we got to talking. It was my last class, and honestly, I was feeling really discouraged and like, maybe I shouldn't be teaching. I hate lesson planning. This is, I don't know, maybe this isn't what I was supposed to do. Yeah, eight weeks, ten weeks in. And um, um, she just looks at me at the end of the lesson, and she was like, you're a good teacher, but you're also a friend. I want to welcome you into my home. And one of my instructors, she goes, oh, that's never happened. <laughs> and it just, the Lord was kind and reminded me, yes, Kenira, you are where you're supposed to be. It's not comfortable. You don't like it, but it's exactly where I've called you. Um, because God has given me the privilege to show hospitality to people. And he just reminded me of that. And um, that woman also, she is a widow. She lost her husband during COVID. But she asked one of the women at the Gospel Center that same day about a Christian Chinese church. This woman offered incense at the idol out in the courtyard right outside the center every Friday before she came into class all summer long. Don't know what this idol was, what religion it is, but she would always offer incense, pray, and then come in for English class. And then, like, our last day there, she asked about getting connected with a Christian Chinese church. So, it matters. Like, these things deposit on people. And there was also a young uh, a man, probably in his 40s, that had, he was coming in for English. And one day, he surprises us by bringing his three kids with him. And we're all kind of like, oh, three kids. I mean, they just pivoted. Somebody went in there, started taking care. Like one of the students that was training with me, she just takes on the kids like she's a natural. And she actually shared the gospel 
with the kids. One of them picked up this little story block and it had like the gospel story in these, like you fold it and it'll show different parts of the gospel story. And she was kind of looking at it and asked Addison to tell her the story. So Addison shared the gospel. That was the first time those children had never heard the gospel. They were born in the United States, had never heard the gospel. And that little girl kept asking her more. Like they would be playing games and she goes, hey, so tell me, how do you pray? So what is that? And she's like, well, how do we know more? And she was like, well, you need to ask your parents to take you to church. And she was like, do you think we could go to church? And so it was just, again, this matters. This stuff matters. So I was just like incredibly blessed and encouraged. And my heart is at some point to do some kind of ESL for stay-at-home moms because a lot of times they're very, very isolated and never learn the language. They'll be in a country for 20 and 30 years and never learn just because they couldn't get out of their house. So that's kind of what I have in mind to do moving forward. And um, like I said, they've asked me to come back on staff. And um, I just decided this week that I am. If the Lord opens the doors and provides the finances, I'm actually moving back to Hawaii to go on staff. Yeah. And um, the kids will be coming, and Pax is just plugged into a just rich environment where he can grow spiritually. Kale's going on staff. Like I said, Lord willing, um, I'm just stepping through one door at a time. I did over the summer, and I'm just trusting that he's going to keep doing that. But, yeah, it was, it was an awesome summer. If you want to ask Pax any more questions about his experiences, feel free to approach him. He said he did not want to share up here. Um, but feel free to ask him. And, um, yeah, I just thank y'all for the support that y'all showed my family over the years because y'all were a part of encouraging Kale back at the beginning of the year, and y'all have prayed, especially there's some of y'all that I've really reached out to and prayed through some really, really tough times getting here. So I thank you so much for every way that y'all have supported us, our family, over the years, and thank you for listening to me share about my summer, and um, if y'all have any other questions, I love to talk about how good God was this summer, so feel free to ask me, okay? I didn't get very many. Um, this is, yeah, it was like, we, yeah, technology got the best of us. I did have, I know I had pictures of like our students from China, my entire teaching staff. I, oh, and I will be starting to teach online. I'm going to get to start teaching online, not this Monday, but next Monday. And I'll be teaching with YWAM Boston remotely. So I'll get to continue my, my craft.
minute little video, little one minute video, you know, oh, things yeah. to, so, so, uh, so we're just going to adopt you even more, uh, yeah. since you're going out there. <laughs> a place to crash. Well, yeah, y'all work it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, wow. Gosh. Wow, I wish I had like five bo boxes of donuts and we would just all sit around and like, that was, I had church, worship and Gosh, 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 gosh. Ah, oh, Lord, uh, show me uh, or show us just uh, what you want to say next. Wow. I just, Lord, just let me shorten, get it, get it down to what you want. In Jesus' name. Um, mm. I was looking at I'm, I, I'm over on, on part of chapter 7 of Acts um, Stephen you know his uh, the apostles the work, work had gotten they needed more help, you know, they, they put some people forward, they laid hands on them, they gave them authority to do things, Stephen was one of those, and Stephen does, uh, if you ever want to hear the, the, like all of the Old Testament story in one chapter, go to Acts chapter 7, because it's all broken down in the shortest, little, most precise, important parts of things that Stephen is just under anointing, giving, telling, telling everything to the authority to the to the leadership you know there of the of uh the the sanhedrin council and uh he does an amazing amazing job um well i really don't that that was just so in <laughs> <laughs> my next little part is like on the hard parts in Stephen's message to them that really made them mad enough to go stone him, you know. <laughs> Everything been going along really well, and then he just keeps going, and then it just gets really hard. And, um, and so I, I was going to go there, and then, then I was going to kind of go over into, into uh, the beginning of chapter 8 with Philip. And chapter 8 of Philip is... Um, my brain is trying to, I'm going back and forth like, what do you want to do now after, after this? Because she, that was, that's the message of the day. So I'm, I'm going to leave the hard stuff. Or, or maybe I can make the, sh the hard stuff short. There, there, to me, there is a real big parallel in the United States, in the Western speaking parts of the United States to Great Britain to Canada, we're, we're, uh, we're all suffering from the same, same things when we talk about uh, Jan Cato was reading uh, Jonathan Kahn's book, uh, The Return of the Gods, about principalities, reach, 
coming back. You know, the church has kind of fallen back at this point in time in the West, and the enemy has decided, oh, let's just do stuff. We stop, you see stuff every day. You hear about it. You might run into it, different things. And uh, so when you, when you read uh, Stephen's account, that's just what was going on with Israel. They're just, uh, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're worshiping with Molech. Now, to worship with Molech, you've got to sacrifice a child in the fire. And then, then they were worshiping Saturn, the star. You know, like they call it the wandering star. But they were into, into worshiping planet movements and, and stuff. They were into everything but worshiping God. Israel had gotten to the place that they were really getting bad off. It was just, just really getting bad off. And, and uh, he's, uh, Stephen is going down saying this. Uh, he, uh, he goes down to, uh, let me just go down to say chapter 746. I told myself after last week I wouldn't jump so much, but I just end up jumping. So it says, New American Standard, David found, this is just jumping right into this long message, but precise message of Stephen. David found favor in God's sight and asked that he might, might find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Verse 48, however, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by human hands, as the prophet says, and he's quoting, heaven is my throne, earth is the footstool of my feet. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what place is there for my repose? Was it not my hand which made all these things? That was a pretty good message. Everything was going along really well, and then he just, Stephen's telling it like it is, and he just goes to the next step, and the next step is 51. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels, and yet didn't keep it. That, boy, that was a flaming arrow to them. You know, here we are, the Sanhedrin, we are the spiritual leaders of the country, and we've had you come to speak in front of us, and Stephen is. And he just tells them the whole, traces the whole, all the way through the Old Testament in a short version. And then he says, and it's on your heads, because you represent those who persecuted God's prophets down through the years, and, and you killed the Messiah. And so, uh, boy, boy, wow. Verse 54, now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. Now, I don't want gnashing your teeth, but imagine you could hear that sound. Imagine whatever the sound was, was this is not a good sound. You know, and so... Uh, he sees the heavens open. He sees the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he can uh, see Jesus standing up at the right hand of God the Father. And he says, verse 56, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. In other words, I see Jesus, who all of y'all 
didn't think much of and got rid of him. You thought he's come back to life. I see him standing right at the, at the place of authority, of honor, of God the Father. And verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice, covered their ears, and rushed at him with one impulse. They just, no, we don't want to hear that. They, they were just enraged. They drive him out of the city. They begin stoning him. The witnesses laid their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. So Saul was the ringleader kind of behind this. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord, verse 59, and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. In verse 60, then falling on his knees, he cries out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. I don't know what's next in our nation, but I know the place that we need to be is exactly what you said. That's the same way this whole nation, not only in the state of Hawaii and Chinese living in Hawaii, across from Alaska to the tip of Key West. We're, we're in the very same, it, it's all the same thing. There's people everywhere that don't know God. There's people in churches that don't know God. There's people in churches that know the... They, they've had a Bible that can kind of tell you the story, but they don't know the Holy Spirit. They don't have anointing because they don't know there is anointing. That's just, you know, it's just, you know, some do, some don't. So, chapter 8. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. They got to kind of had a hideout there in town or someplace. Verse 2, some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women he would put them in prison. He's just enraged. He's just enraged, you know. Uh, we think possibly he's part of the Sanhedrin. He stuttered under one of the famous teachers, Gamaliel. You know, you know the story, he'll become Paul. But right now, he is, this, he is this empowered, enraged Jewish authority, got, got the whole Sanhedrin backing whatever he does. He's going after these followers of Jesus. Therefore, verse 4, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Would that we be this way? We've got governors declaring martial law because they said, well, you know, there's been a lot of gun violence, so, we're just, so I'm just going to go against, against the Second Amendment which is right to bear arms, I'm just going to, as governor here in, where is it, Arizona? Is that where she is? In Arizona, I'm just going to go against this and take the power onto myself and declare that I'm going to outlaw guns. It's not her place. She can't do that, but she's doing it. She's trying to do it. This caused all this conflict has gone on. There's conflict in New York. Down the, down, not too many, I looked up, where the Roosevelt Hotel was because, you know, 
our grandkids are up there in town, you know, and it's like, uh, it's okay. So we probably walk by that sometimes from the place that we stay. Maybe we'll find a different hotel, you know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there's, there's stories all across the country. The, the, at, the atmosphere of the country, there's a spiritual turmoil going on. It's just, it's not just, it, it shows itself as politics and different, it, nah, it's spiritual. It's spiritual. But, but no matter what's going on, in their case, they've gotten scattered because Saul is so mad and all this and putting, and what did they do? Do they, did they go hide out and not tell anybody they're a follower of the way of Jesus? Heck no. They get out there and they just start preaching wherever they end up, wherever town they end up in. It just goes from, from Jerusalem and the area around there. It just starts spreading out across all the places where Jewish people live. Verse 5, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Now, Samaria, you know, they're kind of a half-breed people. They, they, they wanted to come back and be Jewish stuff. They'd been carried off in captivity, and eventually they came back and settled up in that area. And the Orthodox, the Jews that were more by the book, going, no, we don't know your full lineage. We don't, no, no, you can't. So the Samaritan Jewish people kind of had, uh, you know, they were under their sails. They were kind of the north and stuff. And yet Jesus treated the Samaritans just like all the Orthodox Jewish people. He just, he didn't change them. It, you know, he, the woman at the well. Just, and so what we have here is Philip's gone, gone to the city of Samaria and begins proclaiming Christ to them. So Philip's another one of those anointed ones that was set aside. And so we, we get a little story going on here. Verse 6, And the crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. So, people like you, Kenny Ray, when you say stuff, like this verse, when you say stuff, then may God perform his work through your hands, through your words, with them. So they have the double, the double witness, which is the word and the works. That's what the, the vineyard movement was built on that. It was built on that. Wimber and them discovered all, you know, they, it was out there. There were people writing it and there were people doing it. And they started doing it in Anaheim and around Yorba Linda and that area and, and, and John says, it's the word in the works. One speaks of the other, you know. And so, huh? They're doing the stuff, right. They're doing the stuff in Hawaii. They're doing, you know, give them some food, lay hands on them, tell them, I mean, you have just described the vineyard movement. And, I, and, and it just so happened that one of the teachers out there was Steve Nicholson, which is one of the, he's not retired yet, he, he's up in, Urbana, I think, Illinois, and, and, oh, wow, what a great message. Your, your mother sent me a copy, and I, I played the message that he gave, and it was just such a good teaching and hearing his voice again and, and all that. I go, oh, this is, it just reminded me of all those years ago why I ever adopted Wimber and them, because I'd already heard it in, in, on some cassettes, but when I met them in person, they were everything it was like if I could have invented a way of doing Christianity, not based on, you know, I, I had a good, a good 
foundation. But if I, but there were things, other things I want to do that we didn't do in, church, in my, the churches I was raised in. And so, so when, when, as we would talk after school, some of us, and I was reading all kind of books and talking to people, and I'd just go, man, I'd, I'd do this and I'd do that. And then when I run into Wimber and them, well, they were already doing it. They'd already learned how to do it in their living room. They had already learned how to do it in a small church. It had already started happening. This crazy lion frisbee had come on Mother's Day 1980 that night and like turned the place upside down because he'd called the Holy Spirit. And the only the difference was is that when he called the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said, yeah, what do you want me to do? He showed up. And they were piled up in bodies all around the room on the floor. And and because I interviewed people. Well, what happened? Richard Moon come and talk one time. Yeah. And he talked about the things he did when he was out there. Yes. And it was just exactly what Kenny Ravis was talking yes. about. Yes. With her kids and what they and what she yes. did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Next year they're building. They had a warehouse. Yeah. I, I totally, I totally, I'm going to jump way off course here, y'all. Just let me say the stuff that has happened at Anaheim and this and this pastor that they had invited in and from Northern Ireland and everything has gone sideways and he has taken over the church and the buildings and, and it's not the money, it's not all that. It's like it's like but next door to the Anaheim building that they that they built, this bigger building that I've I've been inside of and worship, you know, and there's a bronze statue of of uh of Jesus washing the guy's feet. You know, some of our young pe people that uh, were with me out there, the Spirit fell on them in the parking lot. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was that last, that visit was a really interesting, strange visit. So, so, but if I, if I went outside of the front door and I looked to the right side, I would see a really big warehouse. And that warehouse is they collected food and stuff and then they would go off and with some semi-trailers full of food. And I mean, it was a big deal of feeding the poor. And they had started out feeding the poor in the city parks there in Yorba Linda. And, and then Anaheim. And they were just doing the same. Yeah, they were just doing the same stuff. Just the same stuff. You know, and they were, and they were, and they were baptizing them in the ocean. And uh, yeah, okay. So... Uh, so let's go down to just a couple more minutes here and we'll find a stopping place. So the crowds with verse six, the crowds with one accord were giving attention to, okay, I said that part, like uh, you heard and saw the signs which he was performing, verse seven, for in the case of many who had unclean spirits, that means they're demonized, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice and many, had been and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. Now, When you pray for people, sometimes their physical sickness is because they're demonized. And you run into a personality, another personality talking to you through them. So that's just one of those things. This is just, this is, this is not, when I was raised more, you know, you read Acts, you'd go, well, that was pretty neat back then. Don't you wish it was that way now? I don't see anything different between now and then. God's not changed. The Holy Spirit's still the Holy Spirit. The same things just might happen in a different alley, not in an alley in Jerusalem. It just might have an alley here. It just might be in Honolulu. It just might be in Boston. It just might be uh, West 
Greenwich Village area, you know, West Village, down the street, just across the street from the Starbucks. Um, verse 8, so there was much rejoicing in that city. Now there was a man named Simon, let's see, do I want to go, was I going that far? Okay, well, let's just, let's go ahead and do this here, because it, it's, and then I'll, okay. So now there was a man named Simon who formerly was a practicing, was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his ma magic arts. Verse 12, and when they believed Philip preached the, the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. And even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip as he observed signs and great miracles taking place. He was constantly amazed. That's the way, that's the way church should be. Somebody should be amazed sometimes. And, and when, verse 14, and when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, it's like, oh, isn't that nice? We'll, we'll get around to this someday. Uh, no, they sent Peter and John. They came down, verse 15, and prayed for them that, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. That you and I can lay hands on people or, you know, just see, hey, maybe you just need the Holy Spirit more. Maybe you just, you know. Okay, verse 16, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, and they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when they began laying their hands on them, they were receiving the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I've been reading, I keep reading in Randy Clark's book, and Randy's whole book about there's more uh, is basically him tracing this whole thing slightly through Scripture and then through his own personal encounters. And, you know, Randy goes out a... 100 days out, 180 days out of the year on the road, laying hands on, you know, just, just doing this. And it's what you and I just, we can do if we just do it. If, if God wants to, God can just like fall on the person in front of you if he wants to. And sometimes that falling on them doesn't always mean that they fall down. Sometimes they get really still. Some, you know, you just don't know. You see all kinds of different kinds of encounters that happen. But our part is that we need to practice these things. So, you got me all fired up, King Ray. So, wow. I gotta. I either gotta quit listening to watching the news, or I or I gotta. Uh, I probably need to cut back on that. Some. I kind of want to know what's going on in the world. I kind of want to know what's going on in America, and uh, and then I think what we're going to do about it. I've seen a lot. What am I going to do about it? Yes. Yeah. I saw intercede. Pray to God. And then not get on anybody just going, we just, we just need to offer laying hands on each other. I, uh, I just, uh, la last Sunday morning when we ended, we, we got out here in the middle. And it was like today, it was pretty, everybody kind of knew each other. And this is not bragging on you, but 
y'all just did it perfectly. It couldn't have been any better. You just, you, you are the body of Christ. We all say that, but, but even in being in the middle of it with you, like, you know, one person would have a word, another person would be a, a, a authority of when they touch somebody, and whoever we, whoever we were praying for together, like, God was here. God, God I mean, that, there's no reason why, that can always be, not, not that he won't do exactly the same way every time, but, but, but oh, that, oh, that was so good. That was so good. God bless you all at home and wherever you see all this. So, Gordon.